you know, it's easy to look at influencer boxing and, you know, just see it as a sideshow. But like you said, people like Askren aren't going to take these fights um, if, like, there isn't this financial incentive. And because he was, you know, underpaid um, or whatever it may be in the UFC. So why are, you know, people who have had a career not, you know, well off enough that they can just kind of walk away from these kind of more trivial, trivial things? Like, that's the influencer fights kind of highlight a broken system more than, you know, it's a symptom, not like a, a cause of like a new issue. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a special episode of Tourist Information. My guest this week is Ashwin Rodriguez, who is a staff writer at Vice. He wrote an article that I really liked a lot about the Jake Paul-Ben Askren fight that Triller showcased. Uh, a couple days later, the New York Times profiled Jake Paul and offered a kind of behind-the-scenes expose of the sexual assault allegations, why the FBI raided his house. And with Ashwin's article, I've been kind of really dwelling on this sideshow component that seems to become the, the main circus tent with boxing, at least in terms of casual fans. And I think mainstream media coverage, it is kind of usurping boxing in a way that I think happened with wrestling. Um, do you know who last won the Olympic gold medal at any weight class in Olympic wrestling? No, but you know all the major superstars that Vince McMahon peddled over the last few decades. And I wonder if this is where we're headed. Rolling Stone sends Sean Penn out to interview El Chapo. So we have celebrity journalists and, you know, the way tabloids took over the mainstream media. You know, the National Enquirer was read by a lot more people than the New York Times. Joe Rogan is downloaded far more than CNN has viewership or the New York Times has people reading their paper. So... I think something big is going on here and it may just be starting but it also could derail very quickly if something goes terribly wrong and uh, so that was the conversation I wanted to have with Ashwin so I hope you enjoy Ashwin Rodriguez this week's guest on tourist information um, so yeah you were really thrilled by Ben Askren and Jake Paul I, it, it, it's funny that you go right to the same place that kind of I do emotionally, that it just seems emblematic of so much more, huh? Yeah, and I think there were a lot of things that kind of, you know, just that week that fit into that same, um, you know, that same framework of, like, entertainment and traffic optimization first, and then you figure out the, the back-end stuff, like, the actual boxing yeah, and I mean, it's funny that you went right. I you went right to the George Zimmerman DMX fight, which I I remembered at the time, but I must have blocked it out because not a lot of people have brought that up. That that's seven years ago. Just this idea that you could go too far with a celebrity fight is kind of interesting because I. I often feel like we're going to head toward like that Schwarzenegger film, The Running Man. Like at some point. <laughs> Shouldn't we be having rapists and murderers fighting to the death with weapons? Like, why why bother with the pretense of gloves, almost? Yeah, and I think that's something that kind of comes up outside of celebrity stuff in general. Is It's much easier to want 
to see one individual get punished. And I think that's the appeal of influencer boxing as well, because people who might not have tuned in for just two pros fighting would love to see an influencer get punched in the face. And if you'd want to see an influencer get punched in the face, I think you, most, you know, rational people would not mind to see George Zimmerman get knocked out. But I think that's like, you know, mentally or subconsciously kind of, you know, they're seeing that as a punishment when it's like the dude should be in jail, not, you know, punched once for a spectacle that might make some people feel better. Right. Well, and and I think just yesterday, Floyd Mayweather and Jake Paul's brother have signed on to do a fight in, in the summertime, June or July. Um, that's a curious one. I mean, it's fa- still kind of fascinating to me that Conor McGregor and Mayweather is the second biggest pay- pay-per-view of all time. Yeah. Just an utterly meaningless fight. I mean, superseded only by the Pacquiao-Mayweather fight, which was one of the biggest non-events of the last 30 years, I guess. But nonetheless, I mean, minted the, the highest paid athlete in the world that year with what Floyd earned. Yeah, and I mean, I think something that's interesting, uh, just as, from an outsider perspective, is when boxing and UFC matchups and now these new thriller fights are brought up, um, obviously the athleticism, including the Paul brothers, like they've obviously been training and boxers have bigged them up. But, you know, they always, all these fights are always put in the context of viewership and the purse in a way that, you know, is kind of unique to the the sport. So like and they're all they're all very clear about it, like of who's a big get and who would bring the most pay per views. Um and like the sometimes it seems the the athletic matchup is kind of the afterthought. Um which is part of the reason I had the I think maybe that same feeling you had of like this idea of the the circus sport. Well, and I think you brought up a wonderful point also with the MMA, which has had so has been so vigilant about guarding any semblance of transparency with fighter pay, and that Askren comes out after this fight, makes five hundred thousand dollars, makes almost no effort to get into shape, judging by the weigh-in, and you know him looking twenty, thirty pounds overweight, like just just was there to collect a check, but that check was more than he had earned in his entire MMA career. And then you have Dana White and, and Jake Paul are going back and forth on social media. And Jake Paul, I think, was, you know, like showed some acuity with his trolling to go after fighter pay in that sport. And it's kind of a scary thought. I mean, not just the fighter pay thing with MMA athletes, but also the fact that boxing is getting so much more press from mainstream publications with these sideshows than it is for the best content that it can offer and showcase is kind of a strange place for the sport. Yeah, and I think that's the thing that, you know, this, like, framework, and maybe after, like, 2016, everyone is trying to fit every event into this framework of, like, you know, it's easy to look at influencer boxing and, you know, just see it as a sideshow. But like you said, people like Askren aren't going to take these fights um, if, like, there isn't this financial incentive. And 
because he was, you know, underpaid um, or whatever it may be in the UFC. So why are, you know, people who have had a career not, you know, well off enough that they can just kind of walk away from these kind of more trivial, trivial things? Like that's the influencer fights kind of highlight a broken system more than, you know, it's a symptom, not like a, a cause of like a new issue. But I wonder, like, where do you think that this, like, is this the beginning? I mean, Jake Paul gets an incredibly damning profile in the New York Times just a few days ago. Um, do you see, like, could that potentially help his appeal? I mean, Mike Tyson emerged from jail for a rape conviction and was far more lucrative as an athletic property than he was before he went to jail. Could that happen here? Like, I mean, if Jake Paul is creating this model as a villain attraction, where, as you say, some of these influencers, it seems like both the Paul brothers, you're paying to see somebody beat them up. You're not paying to see them knock out somebody who doesn't stand much of a chance. I mean, this is sort of like tr canned trophy hunting, isn't it? Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, and I think the thing that's hard to say, and I, I would be, you know, hesitant to, like, compare those two stories because, like, the Tyson story... I think it's occurred over such a dr more drawn out period of time. And like, you know, I think it's not a, it's a more complex story, like from his upbringing and, you know, getting like found and his, the importance of his trainer and all that stuff. And then this Paul story where he's like, you know, not, he wasn't like found for his boxing acuity. And again, going from like, you know, views first and then you know figuring out the career he's he's been like transparent about it where first he said people wanted him to fight a real athlete so he fought um nate robinson and then they said well fight a real fighter so he fights ben Askren, who's you know not known as a boxer actually known as a poor striker um and then you know those wins are added to his his record so i think I mean, I think it's just going to keep going where, you know, he's he's obviously improving and is, like, by some pro boxer standards, like, a, has chops. So I think it's one of the things where if he had been coming up without, you know, this machine behind him in terms of an audience that he's bringing and, like, the access to, like, the trainers that he did, like, if he was just a guy with the same amount of boxing skill but none of his um influence he would probably not be heard of right now and he actually he made a good point himself on espn he was saying you know it's just going to be like his fourth fight coming up next and you don't really know about the fights that you know tyson had that early or that floyd mayweather had that early um but you know he's kind of starting with this huge um, inorganic following to boxing. And what do you make about the event itself? I mean, you you outlined that it, it just seems like they're throwing everything in the kitchen sink at an audience. And I'm wondering how long that is sustainable, that you've got all of these big musical acts and bringing big social media followings on top of that. I mean, Bieber... I think has tens of millions or if not hundreds of millions of followers on its various platforms. Um, and then you have Pete Davidson kind of doing like a celebrity roast 
with him like emceeing the event, which was unusual. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I'm not I'm not accustomed to seeing somebody saying that Jake Paul is a terrible person, and if you have a lot of followers, you can kind of do anything. Um, and then Oscar De La Hoya, who was a, a juggernaut on pay-per-view for boxing for many years, is drunk out of his head. Maybe other other influences that he's under. I mean, he looked terrible. And I don't know. There's just like so many different angles to to how they're promoting this stuff. And you mentioned that that there's just there is a sideshow quality, but it's extraordinarily well funded what Ryan Kavanaugh has here. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, it seems like, a, again, fitting for the times, I guess, because, you know, the, like the WWE is experiencing, I think, a pretty big resurgence or has become super popular. And you have like mega stars like Be- Bad Bunny going on there. Um, so if you kind of like just take the same thing of, theatrics and you know there's pre-fight um shit talking and all this stuff um but they're actually punching each other and then you have these like top billing artists it's like on paper it sounds it sounds like a sure thing and it's almost it's kind of funny that all of the commentators like de la hoya by showing up how he did and just how pete davidson talked about the event like there's no preconceived notion that this is like a hundred percent serious and even triller themselves have said like this isn't sports and it's entertainment that has sports was the quote right well and it, it's interesting i mean i'm i'm from canada originally and the current prime minister in canada justin trudeau really was to use a wrestling term put over as a result of having a celebrity boxing match against Senator Patrick Brousseau, um, and oddly, I mean, he, who who is a First Nations in Canada, the winner of the fight was going to cut off the hair of the loser, which is <laughs> pretty strange given First Nations history in Canada. <laughs> How many of them were forced to have their hair cut and forbidden or beaten to speak their language? I mean, like the connotations there of, of the backdrop are, are really disturbing, but it it was used the metaphor for Trudeau. It was a very shrewd political move to show that a liberal could take on a conservative and show his toughness by defeating him in the ring. And that that's really what got Trudeau taken seriously as something more than just Pierre's son. Um, so I'm, I, I mean, and we had Mitt Romney. I mean, Evander Holyfield was about to jump into the ring again at 58 years old. His last opponent was Mitt Romney. <laughs> like a 68-year-old Mitt Romney. So I just wonder if for a second you could kind of speculate, like if, let's just say theoretically that this this continues to sell very well and get taken more seriously and kind of usurps the lane that conventional boxing has. Where do you see this going in like over the next five, ten years? Well, I think... In general, just from my perspective, whenever you see these influencers, like you go on YouTube and if you just, I think one of the most jarring things you can do is just go to YouTube and see the trending videos worldwide. And it's people I've, you know, never heard of. I'm not familiar with what they look like and they have like 120 
you know, million views and just look like, you know, some generic person that apparently almost everyone in the world knows about. Um, and I think when you, when they cross over to do whatever they want to do, if they want to box or if they want to sell like laxative tea or whatever it is, they bring some of those people with them and, you know, then all of a sudden they're known as the laxative tea magnate or the pro boxer. And like we're seeing that, I think a lot of people who were probably blissfully unaware of the Pauls until they got into boxing will now know about them as boxers. So, you know, that's kind of like a a resume credibility addition. So then, you know, it's, it's very easy to imagine that the next the next step, if they wanted to, or later on when they're um, a little older, if they wanted to run for office or something, that's like they're not the guy who has like, you know, a TikTok house or whatever. They're the person who was a reputable boxer who went up against a UFC fighter and an NBA athlete. Um, so you can you can see that leap, and based on who, you know, is able to, you know, drum up press and then eventually run for office like that. I think the most recent one was one of the QAnon um, YouTube people. Like, it's very easy to see that being a, a logical next step. Do you see any parallel with wrestling? I mean, that wrestling has Greco-Roman wrestling going back few thousand years and at some point a guy says or is watching and says I don't think really people care about the competitiveness of this if we just artificially create stories and bring in people that are compelling I think I can produce a product that would get more attention <laughs> like isn't that kind of happening with boxing a little bit yeah and I think it's funny because like just as from a fitness and athletic perspective, they're considered some of the most like raw and primal sports. Like there's, it's really stripped down. You just, you know, need a mat and, you know, some protective equipment. Um, so it's like very basic in that regard. And then the other version of it is like including theater and production and all these other things, like kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum. Um, especially in terms of what you would consider sport. So, you know, I, but again, I think those are two step, pretty different audiences. Um, and one of the reasons that this flavor of boxing, I think, is going to become more popular is because, you know, people want to see celebrities, you know, do whatever, whether it's, you know, eating spicy food or if it's shopping or, you know, punching someone in the face, you're more likely to do that. Or I think there's a lot more people who want to see that than see a professional just do their job. Mm. Well, it's also also kind of interesting. I, I wanted to ask you about, like, the Oscars was just on last weekend and had less than 10 million people watching. And when Titanic swept the Oscars over 20 years ago, I think there was 58 million people watching. So on the one hand, celebrity has this incredible purchase with boxing that is in a number of different ways transcending conventional boxing. Um, but in other areas, it's sort of like more traditional expressions of celebrity don't really interest us as much. Like I, I want, are we moving into some sort of um, 
like Warhol's more democratic view of celebrity. <laughs> we, like we want people that have not done anything to really be famous. That's more compelling to see them thrown into a sideshow than, you know, if, if Brad Pitt was fighting Christian Bale or something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, again, there's probably a parallel about, you know, who wants to see a, an Olympic wrestling match and who wants to see, you know, a staged fight. Um, because, like, it's something like the Oscars, obviously, it's heavily produced and there's, like, a, you know, an understood code of conduct. And, you know, barring something crazy happening, you kind of, you know, there might be some good speeches, but there's not going to be anything that's going to, like, really, really shock you. So, you know, the same person who wants to hear about you know, cinematography might not be the same person who wants to see Diplo get punched in the face. <laughs> it, it is kind of funny, though, with the idea of staged matches, because it's like we're watching fights where there's really very little risk to these influencers. Like, it's incredibly carefully curated who the opponents are and the conditions, so that it's, it's it, as I say, like, it feels like canned trophy hunting, and then the moment they kill the elephant they start crying with, you know, tears of joy at the, the, the feeling of accomplishment. It's very strange. But I, I never understood with wrestling, I mean, you tell me, why it took so long for them to admit that it was scripted because once they did admit that, like, they dropped the kayfabe thing, nobody cared. It's not like they lost any audience by saying, like, we're real athletes, but, yeah, there are scripts. And it sort of seems like there's a parallel here with the celebrity boxing. It's like, do I do I really care about seeing the highest level of competitiveness uh, amongst, you know, insane athletic talent? No, it, it's more compelling if there's a story behind these people. And I don't know, it's like more of a shared experience as opposed to this kind of niche thing, which at least boxing has more gone into. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting because, you know, just in my lifetime, it's been interesting to see that arc of wrestling from when I was a kid. You know, I, I thought it was real, and I thought these people were, you know, really mad at each other and hitting each other with chairs. And then as I as I got a little older, I thought I was very clever for pointing out that, you know, these things were in fact staged. and And then it goes on from, like, it becomes like you said, it becomes like common knowledge that these things are a performance and we've gone far enough now that it's like, it is a performance, but these people are still athletes and it takes a lot of, you know, physical and mental um, endurance to be able to put on a performance like that. Because even if you're pretending to be thrown through a table, like you saw what they did, they still fell and, you know, all this stuff. Um, but compared to, the same things that we're seeing now with like celebrity boxing where, you know, there's the narrative and, um, you know, there's kind of these, there's a villain and there's, there's like all these stories about it. I think the thing that's interesting is you need to believe that it's real because the, what the alternative may be is not that exciting. Like if you're like Ben Askren, people are saying that he threw the fight. I don't think that. Um, but if you're just like, he showed up and he didn't really prepare for it, you know, and for less than two minutes of work, he collected half a million dollars. Like, that's no fun to admit. 
Um, and if he had just like said that on TV, that probably would have been too far, like even in the Davidson-esque um, like vein of the show. People would be like, oh, that's no fair. We didn't think you were trying really hard and, you know, struggling. When, you know, if you've taken a UFC knockout, like that was not something that probably hurt him too bad. <laughs> I was also thinking with this kind of thing, bringing celebrities in to fight, this whole celebrity deathmatch light spectacle of this, that remind me a bit of when Rolling Stone sent Sean Penn out to interview El Chapo. Yeah. And, and I was just like, is that where journalism is headed? Do we do we not really care about the competency of the journalist? It's just Sean Penn has a big audience. It becomes a story in and of itself for him to put on a safari hat and go on an adventure to track down the biggest drug dealer in the world. Um, obviously, that was a kind of publicity disaster. But I wonder, a bit like what you pointed out with DMX and George Zimmerman, okay, that didn't work. But are we more ready for that kind of thing? Are we more ready for this to get a lot more real? where it's not just influencers, but it is, you know, people taken from the headlines, kind of like what the O.J. Simpson trial transformed the culture into, where suddenly all journalism uh, was really pushed toward tabloid journalism in a way that that no event since, like, the Lindenberg um, kidnapping had done. Like, I I don't know. I just – I wonder – is this kind of beginning, or do you think that this is going to be a very temporary blip? Um, I think it has the potential to be, like, you know, a thing, um, in the sense that, like, obviously the, the Pauls are going to be at it for a while, and, like, Diplo is getting into it. I think it's a question of who else, you know, wants to, you know, get involved and help it, you know, snowball. Uh, like you were saying, I think that trend of like celebrities doing stuff is is always appealing. Like, um, and I'm sure you've seen when um, when a magazine or something will have two celebrities interview each other and just like cut the journalism out of the equation. And sometimes that gets people mad. And you know, sometimes it's a very enlightening conversation. And sometimes it seems very you know PR massaged, but it's the draw of both celebrities as opposed to maybe a well-known journalist and a celebrity. Um, but it's a, I guess, I don't know what, what people care about in terms of, you know, the end product. Maybe that is what they uh, want to see. Hmm. What, uh, what brought you to write up this event, to watch this event? I mean, how much of boxing or this sort of celebrity influencer boxing have you paid attention to and for how long and and what brought you to it? Yeah, I mean, I think as I'm always interested in just like health and fitness stuff in general, that's something I try and keep up on. And in terms of sports, I, you know, I watch soccer and I watch some MMA, I watch some boxing. And I think it is one of those things where it's like, you know, if you're, you're at a bar and like boxing's on TV or UFC's on TV, it's always really interesting just to see who's watching because it might not be the regular audience if, unless you had to like pay a door fee for like whatever the pay-per-view was. Um, so like combat sports have always, you know, interested me in that way. Um, UFC sometimes is a little bit too brutal 
for for my palate, you know, seeing someone get rocked in the head as they're like laying on the ground can sometimes be a little cringe inducing. Um, but you know, I'm on the culture desk at Vice, and you know, this is kind of like it was an intersection of my interests and you know, with what was happening with the Super League, I, I saw some parallels just in terms of like, you know, a money first um, initiative. And, you know, I think it kind of highlighted what I saw as some of the more depraved aspects of our of our society. Do you see some kind of historical um, dovetail? I mean... I often think about when I look at MMA is thinking about its origins because, like, I was in boxing gyms as a teenager when MMA just started. And, I mean, I was like, the first major pay-per-view was kind of inspired by the kumite and blood sport and let's bring every fighting style in and, and electrify a fence and have shark-infested water <laughs> in the moat and this sort of thing. And now it's bigger than boxing. It's um, totally mainstream. Uh, you know, riding a bike around New York, I think twice I've been interrupted by, like, Trump motorcades as he's on the way to an event at MSG. Uh, you know, so I'm just kind of blown away by by the kind of purchase that it's had in such a limited amount of time and the success that it's had. And it does make me wonder, sort of like with Rome, where it was like, okay, we've had the gladiatorial thing, people are getting bored of that, let's reenact great battles, let's let women in here to get slaughtered, let's reenact myths from Homer and that sort of thing. <laughs> like have, have a father and son in the crowd watch Icarus be reenacted with a guy pushed off the roof wearing wings sort of thing. Like I, I do wonder, are we going to go in that direction and this is going to keep we're going to need to see more. It's going to have to sort of push the envelope more and more and more as we go forward. Cause it just seems like it, 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 it's hard for me to imagine it's just going to remain in some kind of static position. Do you, do you have that sense or am I way off on this? I mean, I, I'm not sure, but I think the thing that's uh, going back to what we were talking about earlier, where there's like a financial incentive for quote unquote real fighters to, you know, stray from, quote unquote real leagues to to do stuff like this. Um I think that is you know, if those incentives remain the same and like these pay per view fights are a big draw as a fighter, you're seeing basically or I think you'll see, you know, a merge of what's already happening, entertainment slash sports, not one or the other. So, you know, that will fold into these um you know, these uh, myths or like, uh, you know, like classical myths where um, an athlete will be playing a role, but, you know, they're really just there to, to fight. And, you know, it's kind of, it'll probably be manufactured because people need to understand who's the bad guy here, who should I be rooting for, which guy is the Trump supporter, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder how much, because I mean, it's, I can't think of another sport that has been as politicized as the MMA has been with like its president, Dana White, speaking at the Republican convention, Trump showing up at events, Trump's kids showing up at events. 
Can you think of any other sport that has really worn politics on its sleeve quite the way the MMA has? Um, I mean, obviously, I guess maybe the, the one over X would be the NFL um, when yeah. Kaepernick um, was kneeling, but obviously they were just, for as long as they could, just trying to pretend nothing was happening and then, you know, handle it in a more PR sense. But again, I think just the nature of of the sport of MMA, where you're seeing two people, you know, like try and kill each other, it's, and it's, you know, an, an individual sport, it lends itself more for like, especially with these pre-press events where I think they're encouraged to, you know, stoke their differences, whatever they may be, it lends itself to be a more political thing. Um, and then that's also an in way to for people who might not be interested in the sport but are interested in the in the politics to get involved. Because, you know, if you see some guy with a MAGA hat, like, talking spicy on TV, you're like, oh, I might tune in to see an opportunity of seeing him get, you know, punched in the face or whatever it is. Hmm. Are you going to keep paying attention and, and writing about this as, like, I mean, are you going to cover Logan Logan Mayweather? Um, are you more interested in covering this than you were before the Jake Paul and Ben Askren fight? Yeah, and, I mean, I, we'll see what I, what I cover about it in the future as it, like, becomes more or less relevant. But um, I think it will... Either way, like, if you're interested in, in boxing, some of it will be interesting as, like, they get matched up against better fighters. Like, I think that's kind of undeniable in the sense of, you know, some of some of it so far it seems to be resume padding. It's kind of like they're building the plane as they fly it where, you know, you're building this record, but people who aren't that good at boxing and you're getting better at boxing, um, so it'll, it'll be interesting because, you know, it's hard to imagine, like, having such a – having an arc where you just, like, the next person he fights is a pro boxer and knocks him out because I think then everybody might just walk away. Um, so I'm kind of curious to see how they how they keep this excitement uh, moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I wonder – I keep going back to the Andy Warhol thing. I remember a quote of his with regard to the factory um, where like, like I interviewed Ryan Kavanaugh for Bloomberg and I was really struck by, he just couldn't answer sort of direct questions about anything. Like what's, <laughs> what's, what's a success with Tyson Jones and everything was off the record. Like, the, like half of the interview was off the record and I couldn't really understand why, like just basic rudimentary estimates of, of what would please him with the results and that kind of thing. And so I was just thinking about Warhol with the factory in New York trying to take over Hollywood was kind of his agenda. And he figured that bringing in this insane intersection of sort of the top and the bottom, in his view, of New York society, um, that you could just, um, this tremendous talent would emerge. And I remember something he said where, he said, the people who interest me most are the people who have this incredible first audition that's better than anybody. But the problem is, is that they don't have a second take. They're not capable of that. 
because they're too unsure of themselves to ever become professionals, and they're too extraordinary in terms of their personalities to ever lead normal lives. And I just thought, wow, like that's 50, 60 years ago. He's, he's observing this about the people who are just getting in front of his camera who he's not paying um, just because he's so famous for making people famous. It's like passive aggression on the level of genius. <laughs> but it does seem like we're moving into this world that he created, like this blueprint that he created with influencers where I – I am now hearing about Logan Paul and I'm hearing about Jake Paul and a number of others, but I have no idea where they came from. I'm still kind of like at the end of um, OJ Made in America where you get this little glimpse of the Kardashian show coming out right at, I think at the end of the civil trial. (laughs) It's like if there wasn't the OJ murder trial, would we have the Kardashians right now? I'm not sure. And I don't know. I'm I'm just curious about that with with where this is heading. Like I'm afraid that this could become extraordinarily popular, like far more popular than it already is. Yeah, and I feel like I mean, there's so many things now that I think we thought of as absurd, but you know, are just our new reality. Like for example, the Kardashian show, or how little children will watch other little children open up toys on YouTube. That's like a billion dollar, you know, subsection of videos. Um, so, and I think this kind of puts it all in, in fast forward. If you think about things and people you didn't know about, it's like a new network with fires you might not have heard of, you know, with sums of money that are, you know, insane. You know, there's obviously, it's kind of like, I think the next step forward of like it's not just a tv show somewhere it's it's an industry that is kind of like being built as we speak well thank you so much for your time today i appreciate it i really enjoyed your article and uh i put it i put reference to it in my um, ring city newsletter um but i hope i hope more people have a look at it and uh thanks for your time man Yeah, man, I I enjoyed it, so... um, Cool. All right, take care. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Tourist Information. The producers for this show are George Alarcón Suebi and myself, Bryn Jonathan Butler. Thanks for listening.